Being a professional mathematician, Karen Parshall talks about James Joseph Sylvester, 1814-1897. Well, I'm Karen Parshall. I'm a professor of history and mathematics at the University of Virginia, and I specialize in the history of mathematics, uh, particularly the history of 19th century and 20th century mathematics, both in the U.S. and abroad. James Joseph Sylvester was a 19th century British mathematician. He was born in London in September of 1814 into a Jewish family. His family had come from Liverpool, which was a city that hosted a relatively large number of uh, Jews in early 19th century Britain. But his father moved to London in order to have better business prospects. So that's where the young Sylvester grew up. His family insisted that he be part of the Jewish tradition. He was sent to a Jewish boys' school in Highgate from the time he was six years old until he was about 14. There he had a secular as well as a religious education. And this Jewish heritage really formed and shaped Sylvester's life until his death in 1897. It was in some ways difficult to be a Jew in Victorian Britain, so much of Sylvester's life story is really dealing with the fact, adapting to the fact that he was culturally Jewish. He never really adhered to the Jewish laws or anything like that, but he also never renounced his Jewish heritage. So this uh, then kind of set him up in Victorian Britain as an outsider in many ways, and so he was often trying to be an outsider, uh, breaking into the established societal norms in 19th century Britain. When he was 14, he left the Jewish school and uh, entered University College London. That was its second year of operation. This was an interesting interlude. It was a brief interlude, only a few months, but he learned his mathematics from Augustus de Morgan and formed a lasting friendship with de Morgan, who was only a few years older than he was. Unfortunately, he didn't get to study very long with de Morgan. His family pulled him out of UCL and sent him back to Liverpool, where he lived with some of his aunts and uh, attended Royal Institution School there between 1829 and 1831. His withdrawal from or removal from UCL was another manifestation of the impact that his Jewishness had on him throughout his life, but certainly in these early years, because the students that he was dealing with in his classes knew he was Jewish and uh, were often chiding him about that. So he was a, a, a boy and later a man with a pretty short temper, and uh, so this, this caused him trouble throughout his life. Anyway, this incident at UCL was perhaps the first such incident in his life. After the Royal Institution School, he entered St. John's College, Cambridge in 1831. It took him six years to finish the, the course of study there because there was a two-year hiatus in his studies between 1834 and 1836. It's not really clear why he left Cambridge in those years or why he stopped studying. He, he was in and out of Cambridge, back and forth between Cambridge and London in those years. But those years corresponded exactly to a real push at Cambridge to remove all disabilities for Jews at Cambridge. It, again, it was well known that Sylvester was Jewish at Cambridge. Had the disabilities for Jews been removed at Cambridge, Sylvester would have been able to take his degree. 
but as it was, he returned in 1836, finished in 1837, becoming second wrangler on the tripos exam, but because he refused or couldn't see his way clear from a, the point of view of his conscience to subscribe to the 39 Articles of the Church of England, he couldn't actually take the degree. So he was second wrangler, but he left Cambridge with no group. While he was at Cambridge, though, or while he was in the midst of his Cambridge years, he published his first mathematical publication. It was a self-published piece, 1835, called A Collection of Examples on Integral Calculus. It was a 132-page study book, study guide, really, um, meant to be purchased by other Cambridge students studying for tripos exam and other types of exams. It's a nice little book of a bunch of integrals worked out. So that's his first publication, although certainly not a referee publication in any sense. His first journal publication appeared in the Philosophical Magazine in 1837. It was a paper, a little paper, uh, that dealt with an aspect of mathematical analysis. So not exactly an auspicious beginning of his publishing career, but uh, he was just finishing at Cambridge, uh, just 23 years old, and that was his first publication. From 1838 to 1841, he became a professor of natural philosophy back at UCL. But again, he really wanted to be a professor of mathematics. But De Morgan, as I said before, only a few years older than he was, was a professor of mathematics at UCL. UCL was the only, essentially the only institution in Britain where a Jew could hold a faculty position, or at least a non-Anglican could hold a faculty position. So he took the professorship of natural philosophy, but he didn't really like teaching physics, and he wasn't very good at it either. So by 1842, he had actually found another job, this time in the United States. He made the transatlantic voyage and ended up in Charlottesville, where I am at the University of Virginia, where he was the professor of mathematics here for four months. So again, uh, not exactly an auspicious career in this professorship. It, just, it didn't work out from uh, a personal point of view or basically any point of view. The students were hostile to him in the classroom. They were noted at that point in time for their boisterousness and their unwillingness to accept authority and Sylvester got caught up in that and ended up leaving the university voluntarily before the end of his first year. So he spent the next year or so uh, trying to find another job in the United States, but it didn't work out. He also made his first proposal of marriage to a Miss Marston of New York City, but that too didn't work out. She was Episcopalian and her parents didn't approve of him as a Jew, and so that proposal was a failed marriage proposal. So it wasn't a very good stay over in the United States, at least his first stay, and more on that in a little bit. Sylvester went back to London with completely uncertain prospects, but almost immediately landed a job as an actuary and secretary at the Equity and Law Life Assurance Company in London. He landed solidly on his feet. This was, this was good for him. He spent 10 years in that position, living in London, doing the job of an actuary, becoming very active in the Royal Society, also really getting his research up and going. He um, published his, what we could call his first main 
publication in, uh, in 1844, there was sort of a lag in publication at that point, but from 1850 on, uh, he was pretty solidly publishing a lot. Uh, his collected works ended up being four volumes, some 342 papers over the course of the years from 1837 to 1897, the year he died. While he was in London, uh, he was he was not an academic, but he was working on his research as much as he could, pretty much uh, an actuary by day and a mathematician by night. So he was sending off papers regularly to journals, journals like the Cambridge and Dublin Mathematical Journal, and talking to mathematicians, uh, creating his own community of mathematicians. This, this is before the founding of the London Mathematical Society, so one had to form one's own community of like-minded people. So he was very successful at that. Uh, in particular, he befriended and started a lifelong correspondence and friendship with Arthur Cayley uh, sometime around 1847. And the two of them, on, on a daily basis and often many, many times a day, would send letters back and forth to each other about their evolving mathematical ideas. It's interesting, they never published a joint paper. Sylvester published almost to a paper. There's There are a couple of counterexamples to this, but almost to a paper. His 350-odd papers were all single-authored, despite the fact that he was very much a mathematician who benefited from talking to other mathematicians and bouncing his ideas off of other mathematicians. These years, while he was uh, an actuary, were also the years in which he and Cayley very collaboratively, but again, writing under their own separate names, uh, developed a major area of 19th and indeed 20th century mathematics, invariant theory. It's a, an area of mathematics sort of at the intersection between what we call algebra, modern algebra today, and geometry that looks at curves uh, and analyzes them uh, from in very deep algebraic ways. Sylvester and Cayley developed these techniques for analyzing curves in, in, in those ways. While he was uh, an actuary, he also decided to study for the bar because given the, the company for which he worked, the only way of working his way up in the company was to have a law degree. So he studied at um, the Inner Temple between 1846 and 1850 and was called to the bar in 1850 but never practiced. His next shift in jobs came in uh, 1855. He became the professor of mathematics at the Royal Military Academy in Woolwich. So he left actuarial work, left the business world behind, and moved back into academia. But it wasn't the kind of academia uh, that we think of today. It, it wasn't a matter of teaching research. Uh, it was all a matter of teaching. Yet Sylvester was very much a researcher. He and uh, some of his other colleagues, like Cayley and Thomas Hurst in the middle of the 19th century, really began to shape what we think of as the professional mathematician. And they very much thought of themselves as mathematicians. They wanted to be professionals. And for them, that meant doing their research. For them, it also largely meant having some kind of an academic position. So that's one of the reasons why Sylvester continues to try for academic positions. He holds this position at, uh, at Woolwich from 1855 to 1870. It was another rocky road. He was trying to teach mathematics to budding military cadets, 
mathematics was about the last thing they were interested in. He was a civilian in a military environment. He was constantly at loggerheads with the military authorities at Woolwich, and that finally came to a head in 1869 when a law was passed that prohibited people, prohibited civilians from teaching at the Royal Military Academy past the age of 55. So that meant that Sylvester had to retire from Woolwich by September 3rd, 1870, and that's exactly what he did. So he spent the next six years unemployed in London, living off his pension, which he had to fight for, living off of his savings, participating in the British Association for the Advancement of Science, participating in the Royal Society, participating abroad. He very much saw the establishment of reputation as something that, as a Jew in Victorian Britain, he needed to do more broadly. So establishing an international reputation was key to his very self-conscious strategy. So he was very active in the Paris Academy of Sciences, to which he was elected for and corresponding member in 1853. But these years of sort of wandering around in, in London were hard for him. He, he didn't feel like his career and his life were up at the age of 55. He kind of abandoned mathematics for those years. He, he published a couple of papers, but Mostly he was thinking about poetry. His only book was a volume of verse called The Laws of Verse, which he published in 1870. But then an opportunity arose in, in 1875, and that was the possibility of becoming the first professor of mathematics at a brand new research-oriented institution in the United States, uh, the John Hopkins University. He was interviewed by the president-elect, and eventually was appointed to the position, moved back to the United States in 1876 to become the first professor of mathematics at Hopkins, and his career just took off again. He's 62 years old, he suddenly finds himself in an environment where he's supposed to be doing his research, he's supposed to be teaching graduate students. Uh, Johns Hopkins was the first graduate school in the United States, and Sylvester just flourished in that environment. His research revivified. He poured himself back into his research in invariant theory. He worked on the theory of matrices. He worked on number theory. He trained a dozen more graduate students who then went out and uh, assumed professorships at colleges and universities around the United States. This last quarter of the 19th century was key in the history of higher education in the United States for the foundation of research oriented universities, and Sylvester was at the at the ground level in all of those developments. He, uh, he founded the uh, American Journal of Mathematics, the oldest surviving research journal in the United States, in 1878. That was part of his mission at, at Hopkins. He had, he had founded a journal earlier in, uh, in England. He was the, the first editor of the Quarterly Journal of Pure and Applied Mathematics, it had kind of morphed itself from the Cambridge and Dublin Mathematical Journal. It had sort of died and then was revivified as the Quarterly Journal in 1855 with Sylvester as editor. So he had already had experience as a journal editor and uh, put that experience to use in the United States with the American Journal of Mathematics. But in 1883, uh, he was looking at the approach of his 70th birthday. He was 
feeling tired. It was a lot of energy. Uh, he poured a lot of energy into this program at Hopkins, and he was tired. It happened to this, this period of tiredness and actually a period of depression occurred at the time that the Civilian Professorship of Mathematics at, of Geometry, rather, at Oxford opened up, and Sylvester put his name into consideration and was actually selected. So he finally, at the age of 70, well, 69 actually, but in 1884, goes back to England in one of the most prestigious chairs for mathematics in all of England, and he spent the next 10 years officially in that chair. Uh, in 1894, he was forced to retire uh, due to ill health, failing eyesight, uh, repeated bouts of depression, and he died in March of 1897, fetid in England, fetid abroad, and heralded as one of the uh, principal mathematicians of 19th century Britain. This recording was created for the project Being a Professional Mathematician, supported by the MSOR Network, the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and the Universities of Greenwich and Birmingham, as part of the National HE STEM programme. It is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License.